now that we were talking about uh, developing a heart for God uh, previously on our cabin devotions, um, and this guy just expresses the same truth with the concept of understanding that we were once dead, but when he rose again, we ran out of that grave together with him. Isn't that awesome? And I think it's going to be beautiful again. One more time today, I'm really so sorry for those of you who tuned in on Wednesday and uh, we had to end the show abruptly. Actually, it was my fault. I was trying to connect back in and uh, I think I must have disconnected everything. So sorry about that. But we said to start a bit early today so we can cover some of those questions that we might have missed. Um, I can tell that uh, Dr. Norris is already here with us. Uh, thank you so much for uh tending, taking the time one more time to be here with us Dr. Norris you're welcome my pleasure David you know I was thinking about the passage that you quoted for us um uh, that must have been Psalm 51 at the beginning of your discussion on Wednesday and uh I went jogging today and I I, I paused just to be able to cool down and uh I decided to open some uh, 51 and just read through one more time in, in, in trying to understand and also internalize some of the things we are talking about and it's 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 beautiful it's beautiful to think about the fact that we've at least personally I don't want to say we but I've personally been not paying much attention to God's view on about the heart why because I think we get so busy as Christians and we begin to focus a lot on what we are doing, uh, at least what men can see and evaluate us on and uh, what can we do so we please God. And we personally, I think, I have not paid so much attention to the state of my heart. And I and, and tonight, I mean, this morning was, was very, was different, if I can put it that way. Um, I, I, I gave Grace, uh, I sent her an audio message uh, just telling her what was going through my heart then. And I'm going to try and maybe uh, reiterate some of the things that uh, you did mention in the previous podcast. Um, one of the things that came to mind was how I did attend, let me take us back, maybe a couple of, uh, of years back. I attended an evangelism training once where the trainer, and I've heard several ones refer to this, where the trainer who was training us in evangelism did mention that we should not use certain words while sharing the gospel, especially to children. When we say, for example, inviting Jesus Christ into my heart, because the child's understanding, according to this trainer, is the heart is an organ. And so when we try to confuse them with the statement of inviting Jesus into my heart, they are afraid Jesus may bust the heart. How can Jesus fit in my heart? And they had a point until today <laughs> the reason i say that is honestly i got some very new convictions um in the way we need to emphasize the heart why because when i look at psalm 51 of course david knows that something is wrong from what he did of course we know what he did uh because most bibles have the title uh, the sound day when nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. this is after the adultery and the murder of uh, Bathsheba's wife of course he knows this is something that he did but in everything that david is talking about in trying to have this relationship back with god it's amazing and interesting how so much attention is given to the heart and as a review Let's just peruse through this passage together as we begin our discussion this evening. Have mercy on me, O God. That is verse 1. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. And so from verse 1 and verse 2, it is clear David knows my sin needs to go, and only God can remove it. Then verse 3, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And of course, there's no way he could hide anymore. And then he says in verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. 
so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So this is going back way before David was born. Verse 6, But behold, so there's no but, sorry. He says, Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being. And there he begins to show or to explain to us or to express the fact that God actually finds delight not so much in what we see as men. And he begins to describe that part we cannot touch. And I know there are cardiologists, there are surgeons who cut through our bodies. This is a part they will never see. It does not matter how deep they cut. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And I ask myself the question, how many times have I stopped to learn from God in the secret heart? We can be so busy Monday to Friday, morning to evening, and we never stop to secretly hear from God. And I think it's those verses that we hide in our hearts that God begins to teach us. And so verse 6 explains what exactly God is looking for in David. And then he says, verse 7, Purge me with high soap and cleanse me. And I shall be clean, sorry. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bonds that you have broken rejoice. Then verse 5, hide your face from my sins and blot out my hide your face, sorry, from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Then verse 10, and I will stop here. Okay, I read one more verse. Sorry, I read one more verse. But it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I'm going to fast forward all the way to the end. And I know we looked at this, but verse 16, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I'll give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. And it says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And I thought to myself, if the psalmist has gone through couple of verses, almost 19, 19 verses, and he gives so much emphasis to the heart. Why would we boldly refuse to teach children? And I want to say straight from hearing the gospel that the heart is more than an organ, that God is interested in the heart. I just thought that was an interesting thing for me to think through and start teaching my small daughters back home the interest that God has in our hearts and not to be afraid when they ask the difficult questions but i want to i want to hear from dr john this evening what do you think about that statement that someone made children not understanding the concept of the heart and us having to go back and forth with words confusing them should we or should we not use that statement inviting jesus in my heart what do you think dr john well thanks david i I don't know whether that's a, 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 an okay or a, I, I haven't really considered it. I, I personally think that helping little children and young people uh, understand their heart is helpful. And uh, so just like we've defined the heart on Monday, uh, I think defining the heart for anyone is helpful. Uh, one of the things that I, I know when I've taught young people, and I, and I think especially little kids find it fascinating, is I, I will take a stethoscope, one of my stethoscopes, and I'll put the uh, earpieces in their ears, and I'll put this, the uh, bell of the stethoscope, the, the sound part, on their heart so that they can actually hear their own heart. And, um, and, I, and I watch their little countenance, and, and I see their faces start to smile, because they've never heard their heart beat before. And, I, and I'll ask them, do you hear that? And uh, they're mm. smiling. And, and so to me, yes, I, I think, uh, and, I, and I think the whole idea of asking Jesus into your heart isn't probably um, kind of the most theological way to try to understand it. I do think that there are some people in Child Evangelism Fellowship who actually think that's a fairly good way to express it to, to children. And, uh, and for me, and I think as we get through today and talk really about devotion, um, a little child doesn't quite have a developed heart, so they can't have a devoted life to Jesus. But I think in terms of trying to help them understand what the heart is, helping them understand that their heart is a physical organ 
uh, but also a spiritual organ is something that's very helpful. Mm-mm. All right, interesting. Now, of course, I'll come to you with uh, questions if if they ask in my attempt to try and explain these uh, beautiful concepts of what we're looking at. But thank you so much. Now, I would like to give you an opportunity, Dr. John, as well. Um, I know the connection went off on Wednesday before you were done. I did try to troubleshoot. I still do not know what the issue was. I'm only guessing. But are there any questions that maybe you were in the middle of asking, I mean, answering that... Uh, I might have missed. Uh, maybe we can start there. I have two of my own on my end before we can get into today's discussion. But do you have any questions that you are answering that you took a note of? Well, there was one question that was asked about how do you know God's will? And, and I think probably one of the best known proverbs that is quoted probably the most often uh, addresses that partially. And that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And so the notion of of identifying God's will by trusting in him is kind of one of those, that's one of those difficult things, because if you're seeking God's will and he doesn't seem to be answering quickly, then you may have difficulty trusting him, and especially trusting him with all your heart. And that's one of the reasons why in the, in the folks that I teach, I, I find it important to help them understand how to ask questions of God uh, and, and to do so with a humble heart and a, and a heart that is open to the answers. And even sometimes the answer uh, that God would give you as, as wait. He'll, he'll say, maybe wait. I, I'm not ready to answer that question yet. Uh, because in fact, his will is that you trust him even when what you see around you makes it seem like God is not paying attention and like he doesn't know what's going on, which of course he does. And so uh, sometimes we're impatient with our questions and, and asking. So I hope I, I was in the middle, I think, of answering that question. And then there was another question, which is, if you're in ministry and uh, and you seem to get to a, a dry statement where you're kind of questioning not just what God's will is, but whether God really even exists, whether, whether he's there. And, and I don't think that that's a, a, a bad thing, and I don't think that that's a, a taboo subject. And I, and I want to make sure that the... Uh, questioner who asked that knows that, that, you know, I pray that, uh, you know, that those seasons for everybody are short, but I think that pretty much uh, everybody goes through some questioning, and I think God's really okay with that. I, I think his perspective, God's perspective, is that he wants the questions. He wants us, even when we're um, struggling with his existence, just to kind of come to him. And I think it's in those moments, if we don't get frustrated, if we don't get angry, if we're able to just quiet ourselves and listen, that sometimes we hear that still, small voice of the Lord that just says, you know, my grace is sufficient, be patient, and you will get the answer. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, I had one refer to it as uh, you can ask God questions, but do not question uh, him. But I guess uh, the question that they're asking actually gets to the point where they don't even understand if the person they're dealing with um, actually exists. And so I know my answer does not fully answer their question, but thank you so much, uh, Dr. Norris, for that. Um, let me ask the audience uh, right now, if you have any questions who are pending from last week, please post them in the chat uh, below, and Dr. Norris will take it up from there. I'll simply pass them on to him. I don't think I'm even half qualified to try and pick up any of those questions. I have questions of my own. And I have two questions here for you, uh, Dr. John. Uh, one you did quote a verse. I've quoted that verse several times. I honestly cannot remember the reference. I should have looked it up before asking this question. Um, it might have been easier if I'd asked this on Wednesday. But where you quoted the verse that talks about uh, casting down um, 
arguments um, and making every thought, taking every thought captive and making it obedient uh, to Christ, um, if I've paraphrased it well. Um, and, and the question is, there's been moments in life where, of course, there's the difference between right and wrong. Um, you did talk about uh, conscience at some point. And I know that Paul also doesn't give, he does, but there seems to be a sense in which sin can be seen or not based on one's conscience. And I think that was in the area of food offered uh, to idols. But what about logical arguments um, in the sense of whether it is right or wrong? And I've had people do, I have no perfect example to use right now, but these incidences where someone who simply use logic i'll give maybe an example let me just go ahead and give an example you're getting into ministry maybe in my example uh, as a missionary and honestly you look at what you're earning on a monthly basis or what's coming in on a monthly basis and numbers do not seem right that it doesn't look like the next step that you're taking makes logical sense and of course there's accounting sense numbers and numbers two plus two is four it is not five it's only in the miracle sense that two loaves and fish will feed thousands of people. But where logic does not answer, I mean, does not answer the, the dilemma in that moment, how would you guide your heart uh, to be able to take that step so that you do not end up looking unwise? Um, and the same Bible does talk about a man counting his cost before building a house. And especially for things, I'm asking all of this, especially for things which are not mentioned in the scripture as right or wrong. And people do pray about a decision. I'll give another example. Um, whether to take a job or not. I did hear one man give this example. Um, maybe I'll use a different example to try and illustrate this point more. You want to leave a job and maybe just when you've just lost a job, I mean, left a job for another job, the other opportunity simply closes down. And maybe at that point, there's a lockdown, COVID starts, and everything just seems to be way against that same decision you have been praying about. How do you pray about a decision of whether or not to leave a job, for example? And these are not matters where the Bible gives you very clear answers. I'll give an example for exa uh, that I went through just before covid uh, started about a year ago we were praying about rent for the ministry in rwanda and god provided that rent for six months in advance and i went ahead and paid that rent six months in advance but i made the payment today and the next day in reference to that day tomorrow like the next day the borders were closed and covid happened and for almost one whole year we never use the office space that I just paid for. How do you know decisions like that? Uh, how do you know that you're not just giving excuses for a particular decision? And so when you did talk about arguments, I thought to myself, how do you answer the logical question uh, or the logical dilemma amidst faith and where the Bible is clear and where it is not clear? I hope the question is clear, Dr. June. It is. It is, David. And I think it gets to this issue that we're talking about today with devotion. Uh, God isn't looking for us to, to, to make sense out of things uh, or to, to make a logical argument to him or, or really to anybody else. He's looking for our faithfulness. He's looking for our devotion to him. And um, Psalms 37.3 is really the one that I, that I love because it, it really talks about how trusting God helps us in these ways. It says, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. And then 37.7 says this, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil desires. And I think that's one of the things for us in ministry, sometimes 
we, we, we think, you know, I can't get a break. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, the finances are tight and everything and, and Lord, and, and I would say that is the history of God working through people for centuries and, and, and probably even before the time of Jesus is, is what God does with a very, very little, um, you know, man, man seems to have, uh, an overabundance and, and does minimally. And so I, I think it's a faith building thing. Um, I don't, uh, I don't want to sound trite about that because I do, you know, I mean, I love David, uh, what you're doing there in, in Rhonda and I know God is blessing it, but this time of trial and testing and preparation for you and grace and your family. And I think many of the folks that you work with is a formative time. And I would say this is the time at which you're being developed. So when we talk about the heart defined, uh, then the heart developed, the, the heart devoted really comes from going through the developmental process and being refined by the fire and going through periods where you have to trust God because it doesn't make logical sense. And two and two does not make five. And, uh, you know, when the budget doesn't seem to fit, you know, you, you just have to trust God. And, uh, I know that's a hard thing. Um, and, and just to say, cause I did, and I'll share with your listeners to, to today, I've prayed for you that this year God would supply all of your needs going forward. And so I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I trust in God for that. So I think that that's going to happen. Um, but if God says it's not going to happen, then that's going to be his decision. So um, I'm, I hope that answers your question. And I think that's part of it, too, is just not being um, dissuaded by things like paying rent for a building that isn't used. You know, God, God knew that was going to happen. And it's nothing, you know, there's nothing you could do about it. Thank you. Thank you. Um it's I'm, I'm sorry but i don't think i'm going to have you after today and so let me fire all the questions okay <laughs> it's uh, it's not that i have no faith but <laughs> you're a very difficult man to find i have one last question uh yeah. based on the conversation we're having on wednesday and i think there's a very direct line uh with this very famous struggle that paul had now if you remember correctly we began our discussion with an understanding that you cannot revive a dead heart. You replace it. Um, biblical statement is uh, remove the heart of stone and give you the heart of flesh. And I want to believe that by the time Paul is writing these words, his heart was already um, regenerated. Maybe it was in the process of being developed uh, fully. But when he says words like the things I do not want to do, I end up doing. And the things I want to do, I do not do. If you think of that dilemma, it sounds like his left chamber is desiring something else and his right chamber <laughs> is desiring something else. There seems to be a split in his desires and it sounds like the same heart. Am I right to say, again, logically, that maybe half of his heart is developed and the other is not yet? <laughs> but... The question I have is, how do you explain conflicted desires? And I think this would apply also to a sense in which one, as a believer, struggles with addiction. They know it is wrong. They know what the scriptures teach concerning that particular habit, but they don't seem to find victory in that particular area of their life. I do not know if this was something Paul was talking about or expressed. I've not done much study on that passage, but I could tell this is a regenerated man, a believer, a strong believer, and he doesn't seem to find an answer to a question like that where his desires are conflicted. The things he wants to do, he doesn't do, and the things they want to do, he ends up doing. And maybe it's something we're going to look at today. But what do you think, Dr. John? Yeah, very good question. And, and I think it also uh, applies not just to Paul, but to David and the example that you mentioned with David. You know, David is a man after God's own heart. Uh, when Samuel uh, came and anointed David king, that, that was why. So David had 
an anointed heart and was was at the time that he made a decision to commit adultery with Bathsheba and then have her husband murdered and all that, you just say, what is it? You know, did David have some kind of a heart exchange? Did he go back to the bad heart? And I think when you read Psalm 51, you could see David dirtied his heart. He defiled his own heart. So David had a regenerate heart, but a regenerate heart, and it's not that part of your heart is clean and part of it's dirty. It's you, once you have a regenerate heart, you're going to be in uh, with God. You're, you're going to heaven, and, and you're in the developmental process until you get there. Now, I know that David was a man after God's own heart even when he did that, because when Nathan the prophet confronted David— in 2 Samuel 12, 13, David's response was, I have sinned against the Lord. So he immediately, he was convicted. He, he confessed. He didn't try to defend that. And, and I think that's the key. When you talk about um, this struggle that goes on with us, and I will get to it when I'm talking about it today, it is the struggle that every Christian has. And it's not the struggle between a, a new heart and an old heart. The old heart is dead. It was dead before. The new heart is in there. The struggle is between the spirit and the flesh. The spirit wants to make your heart holy because God is holy and the spirit is holy and Jesus is holy. So he wants us to be holy. But the principle that Paul talks about in Romans 7, which is what you're quoting, is that he has this flesh, this principle of the old man that he still struggles with. And so that's what we have. When, when, a, you know, when a Christian still struggles with besetting sin, it's not the heart issue. It's, it's, it is an issue that impacts their heart because they're, what they're doing is indulging the flesh. And so this, I, I'll, I'll use a physical example. It would be, let's say, if I have a patient who uh, has a cholesterol of 400 or 500 and they just keep eating pizza and eventually the arteries are going to clog up and die, uh, you know, cause heart attacks and the patient will die. They're, they're not developing their heart. They're not, they're not devoted to a change in their habits. And, and this is one of the things that I, when I talked about the development of the heart requiring heart healthy habits. I think that's the key. And so when believers look as though they're struggling with sin, it is an issue that impacts the heart. But I believe it's that they're giving into the flesh. And, and maybe at some point in the future, you'll ask me to come back and I'll talk to you about the flesh or the mind uh, or the soul or some of these other aspects. We started with the heart because, of course, the heart is the most important. Awesome. Um, I had everything you talked about, but one of the things I had most is maybe sometime in the future, I will ask you to come back. <laughs> sure. And so here I'm asking you to come back in the future. This is the future, but of course, I'll really be very interested in hearing about the flesh. I think it'll be awesome. Well, let's take one minute, more like a break or a commercial. There's this song that I was just been thinking about this evening. And of course, taking it from the poster that I sent you guys concerning a devoted heart, the poster for today, I did ask a question and I said, from a devotion meter, if there was one, one to 10, would you sign a blank agreement with God? That whatever he wants or whatever he writes there, that you would do? That's a huge question for us to think about. And where would you place yourself between one and 10? Are you at three? Are you at five? Are you at nine? But that whole concept and the picture or the metaphor of a blank document being signed by you for God to write whatever he requires of you is exactly what happens in our lives. I mean, we either choose to do it or not to do it. But that also reminded me of... Uh, um, this particular song I'm going to play for you. I've written some of the lyrics in the chat below. Let me see if these will show. If they don't, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I hope it does. 
I hope it does. There you go. Part of it has come. Let me play for you this song for just one minute. I'm not going to play the whole song, of course. I don't think we have time for the entire song. This song is by Sankt Srill, and it's called Commitment. Let's listen to it for just a few seconds, and then we will invite Dr. John. It's no mystery what the difference is between love that lasts and one that's caving in. It takes more than a feeling if you want to survive in a world that blurs the lines between wrong and right, trades true love for a compromise. Oh, I want to finish the life we've started. I want to be too old, beautiful souls to stay Right, we'll finish the rest of the song maybe or not at the end but right now let's pray and invite dr john to speak to us father we thank you so much for this evening and even as we look at this awesome topic about a heart that is devoted that is committed to you we pray the lord you will revive our hearts um and uh, just just bring us back to the place that david was searching for that david was praying about in psalm 51 um where you desire and delight in a contrite heart. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, whatever is stuck in there, that you will remove tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit and uh, and the power of your word. We want to commit this time before you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. John, you're welcome. Amen. Thank you, David. And uh, I love the music, too. Just a way that it that God can use to help uh, to help us kind of understand that we're made um, in a complex way. And one of the things that I wanted to do uh, was to just go to a familiar um, passage right off the bat and and use Jesus's words about the heart. Uh, If we think about the parable of the sower, and I'm gonna direct us to Luke 8, where after the parable of the sower, and Jesus talks about these four uh, soils, as it were, uh, he, he then explains to his disciples uh, what this is all about. And he says this, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, there are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And so I want to to just focus on that last sentence where Jesus is saying the soil that is rich, the soil that bears fruit is a soil that is an honest and good heart. And and the reason that I point that out, and I I did some reading, uh, David mentioned uh, John Bloom, uh, this, this fellow who says, don't follow your heart. And then of course I'm saying, Yeah, I I think what Jesus is saying is the issue is the heart. Is the heart uh, rocky? Is it thorny? Is it weedy? Or is the heart a a rich, fertile soil that is honest and good and can be tilled? And I would say that's the real key for us when we start looking. And I think, 
you know, we've typically thought of this passage as an evangelism passage. I would say for every believer, they should look at their own heart first. Is my heart good soil? Is my heart honest and good? Am I open to the Lord? Am I open to him, not just planting his word in me, but tilling and weeding and and uh, and getting the the uh, you know the junk out because that's one of the things that I think is the key important thing. David and of course we did read it Psalm fifty one. Keep in mind he's the guy that wrote Psalm one nineteen where he says, "Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His statutes and seek Him." with all their heart. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And of course, what David is saying is he's he's trying to do the developmental thing that will make it so that he doesn't sin. What he's not saying is that I'm sinless and perfect and I don't struggle with the flesh. What he's saying, and I think acknowledging that he wants that heart that is a, is a good soil that will bear fruit for the Lord. And so the question is, how can we develop that good and honest and uh, fertile heart so that we can hold fast and abide in Christ and bear much fruit for his glory. And I think when we get to the developmental stage, and we talked about that yesterday, how important it is to have devotions and prayer time and meditation and uh, scripture study and be connected with other believers so that this is a communal thing that we're doing. Um, there's, there's a daily thing that we have to really do that helps develop our heart. And I would say uh, Jesus in Luke 9, 23, made this statement. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me daily. For whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And what Jesus is talking about is the daily process of dying to oneself. And this is why he starts it with an if. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So that the notion, and this was when Jesus was teaching his disciples, he gives them this picture that following him is going to be somewhat of a daily crucifixion of yourself. Now, fast forward into Paul's epistles, and Paul says it explicitly in Galatians 2.20. Paul says this, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I know, David, you taught on that. I listened to one of your devotions on that. He goes further in Galatians 5.24 and says this, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So that the, the daily devotional process starts with what I would call consecration. It, it's coming awake in the morning. So it's an awakening in the morning when our body wakes up and we realize it's another day that God has given us. And the first thoughts of our day should be on the Lord. And if we thank the Lord for this day, and usually I'll, you know, try to do something with my body to make sure that the blood is pumping and I'll put some coffee on to try to, you know, get myself fully engaged. But then my thoughts are, are directed specifically to the Lord. And, and I want to start my day with some prayer and quiet time. And, and that's what I would call consecration. So the first, let's say, 10 or 15 minutes of my day, I consecrate to the Lord. And then beyond that, the rest of the day is what I would call concentration. 
So consecration, which is a spiritual thing, I, I devote myself, I specifically tell the Lord that I'm devoting myself to him and that I want to die to myself and I want to follow him. Then the rest of my day becomes an exercise of the mind informed by my heart. So in my heart, I've consecrated to the Lord. And now in my mind, I concentrate on those things. And it is something that does require effort. I want to take us to Romans 6, because Paul gives us very explicit um, text on how this crucifixion process comes about. And what Paul says in Romans 6, 3 down through 11, he says this, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we would no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So what Paul is saying is that death process is an actual spiritual process where we identify ourselves with Jesus Christ and his death and burial. And then in verse uh, 8 in Romans 6, he says this, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so here, and I think this is the real key, a heart devoted to God is a heart that acknowledges and understands that it is dead to the flesh. It is dead to sin. It is dead to the things of this world and alive to God in Christ. And so this is why each day when we talk about devoting ourselves, David, and I like that you, you, you gave that a, a scale, can we start each day with at least a, a, an intent to have a 10 out of 10 day devoted to Jesus? And I think that's the thought. If, if, if that's our desire and that's the, the uh, design, we want to be dead to ourselves and alive in Christ. Now, I also want to take you to one other text. You may think, well, I didn't hear anything about the heart in that whole process of being dead and being alive and dead and alive. And what about the heart? Uh, because, you know, we've, we've spent these three days of devotions this whole week. We've, we've been talking about devotions uh, that relate to the heart. And the question comes up, what, what is this about, you know, death to sin, uh, death to the old man, death to flesh, and, and, and alive and free in Christ? How does, how does that relate to my heart? And Paul relates it directly to your heart. In Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, he says this, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I believe this is the key passage. When we start thinking about Jesus Christ dwelling in my heart, and that's verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 3, does Jesus Christ dwell in my heart? 
if we can think theologically, yes, if the if the heart transplant has occurred, if the Ezekiel 36, 26 exchange has occurred and my heart of stone has been removed and the heart of flesh has been implanted, then yes, Christ has been, you know, given residence in your heart. And now the real question is, how does that work out practically? I believe that this is what Jesus was talking about when at the Last Supper, he said to the disciples that the Holy Spirit will be in you. That's John 14, 17, where Jesus said, you know, it's to your benefit that I go away, because if I go away, I'm going to send to you the helper, the teacher, this other DNA, really, of me, and that DNA of me is going to actually dwell in your heart. So now we actually have the image of God indwelling us in our hearts so that it can be expressed outwardly. So the question is then, with Christ dwelling in our hearts, what does that result in? What does that make us in? And I would give you 10 things. Number one, we're saved. We don't have to worry about salvation. We don't have to, you know, fret about it. You know, Jesus Christ dwells in your heart. You are saved. Number two, you are holy. You're holy because the Holy Spirit lives within you. Number three, you're righteous. You have the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed to you. Your sin that has been committed past, present, and future has all been imputed to Christ, and his righteousness has been imputed to you. Now, ironically, number four, you are still capable of sin. So even though all of your sin, past, present, and future, has been paid for by Christ and his righteousness has been imputed to you, we still have to work out our salvation and we're still capable of sin. So we still, as part of this devotional process, have to continue in the developmental process. Number five, we are able to love with the love of God from the heart. So when Jesus dwells in our heart, when the DNA of God, when the Holy Spirit dwells within us, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. All of the DNA of God that's in us is available for others. So we can love with the same love that God lives. Uh, God loves. Number six, we're able to distinguish good from evil right from wrong, and the spirit from the flesh. And this is one of the things, David, as you mentioned early on, when we have sin, besetting sin, sin that we struggle with, that's the flesh. And we have to, you know, we have to deal with that. We have to, to uh, crucify that flesh, and we have to talk to other believers, and we have to work to, to you know, to really rid ourselves of that kind of besetting sin. Number seven, uh, we're able then to walk in the spirit and to resist temptation. The enemy's going to keep coming at us. The flesh is going to keep coming at us. The world is going to keep coming at us. All of that is not going to change. But we have the ability to walk in the spirit with this, you know, person of Christ dwelling in our hearts, the DNA of God. Number eight, uh, we're going to be convicted when we sin. When Jesus Christ dwells in your heart through faith, when you sin, you're immediately convicted, or you should be. And I think that's one of the keys. If you're not experiencing conviction when you sin, I wonder if Christ is dwelling in your heart. So, so the, the conviction of sin should be immediately apparent. Number nine, uh, you are then able to represent the DNA and the character of God. When the Christ dwells in your heart, you are uniquely qualified in the people around you to be the one who bears the image of God, who bears the image of Jesus Christ, who bears the image of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so that's uh, your job. And then number 10, you're able to choose 
to follow your heart in righteousness and truth as Christ in you leads. And this is where I would differ from John Bloom, who says that you can't follow your heart. Uh, My feeling is that if Jesus Christ is in your heart, as Paul suggests that he is in Ephesians 3.17, that the exact thing that we should be doing is seeking Jesus in our hearts and, in fact, following our hearts as our hearts follow Jesus. So, David, that's where I kind of want to conclude. I I hope there are other questions, and I think we have about 10 minutes. Amen. Yes, we do have 10 minutes, but thank you so much. I think I must have missed one of the 10 that you did mention uh, concerning um, if Christ is in your heart. I said you're you're saved, saved, you're holy, you're you're righteous. righteous. You're still capable of sin. That's number four. Oh, I think that's what I missed. So even after righteousness, and I think this is, that's part of the problem. You are still capable of sin. Awesome. Let me just put that up there, just in case someone was trying to take notes. Um, Please go ahead and ask any questions if you do have any. uh, So I see one right here from Lindsay says, where or how do I draw the line? between devoting my heart to God using my own strength and letting God lead the way? And and that is a very difficult question. And I would say this, um, it, it comes down to trying to discern those aspects of your spiritual character, and I'll name five of them, there are more, but, but the difference between your heart, your spirit, your soul, your mind, and your flesh. And so it, it, it's one of the things I would say, Lindsay, is that most often your flesh will want you to do things that you would enjoy, number one, and number two, that, that, that give you instant gratification. Uh, so that's one of the things that it's usually a, a heart that's devoted to God. And when you're looking at kind of service, you know, a lot of service to God comes in the form of being patient, uh, enduring suffering, uh, having, and of course, I'm telling you guys all this, and I don't want to bum you out, but um, often the the uh, you know the way of the Lord is is the is the narrow road, is the high road, is the difficult road, is is the road that other people don't want to go on, and so I would say it is it is a road of um, of humbling yourself. Uh, of, of focusing. And I would say, where you say devoting your heart to God, I would say, give your whole heart to God, follow him wholeheartedly, and he will lead the way. Um, when you feel like you are intervening and trying to um, take the reins, uh, that's almost always your flesh. And, and I would say that's, I, I can say that, you know, for me personally, uh, if I'm, you know, responding to somebody's uh, question or maybe a, a comment or an insult, if somebody insults me and I respond right away, I, I can sh- say almost certainly that response is going to be in the flesh. Um, but if I'm insulted um, and, and I can absorb that and not react or respond right away, uh, then I have a good chance of being able to respond with a proper spirit and a clean heart. Amen. All right. Can you hear me, Dr. Jones? Yes. yes. Awesome. Um, if guys, if you have any questions, please post them in the chat uh, below. Um, and then uh, I'll ask Dr. John to go ahead and take those questions. If you have any questions, this is the time. I think we have about seven minutes uh, to the top of the hour. Please go ahead and post any questions if you do have any. David, let me ask you a question. And and while your folks are, are, are getting this, does this make sense to you? Uh, me personally, yes, yeah. it does. Yes, it does. Um, in in so many ways, um, I, I I just could not stop today. Um, after I went for that jog this morning, 
I just could not stop thinking about uh, what God is doing in my heart. And then even from the questions I asked today, I can clearly see that not that I was completely blind to what he was doing, but I think it's clearer, um, if I can use the right words there, it's clearer that nothing is happening in our lives that God is not intending to. And I think that I can see a very clear purpose of what God is doing. And I can almost, I don't want to use the word feel it, but I can almost tell the state of my heart. And, you know, when we are blind to some of this truth, um, and I can see the question that Linz is really asking uh, here, is we quickly as believers get lost in, uh, in doing and performing to the point that uh, even the Christian disciplines that we have learned of spiritual memory and maybe a quiet time, and maybe going, being faithful to a local church, we begin to measure spiritual success based on those things. And, and no wonder um, we get shocked when those that we are looking up to all of a sudden are falling away. Why? Because we think they were doing well because of their actions. And not to deny good deeds in any way. Why? Because what's in the heart eventually will be reflected in what someone does. But I think rarely do we stop to examine our hearts. And I like how we began on Monday. And and, uh, I think we're quoting again the psalmist when he says, search my heart, O Lord, and see if there's any iniquity in me and bring me to the way of everlasting. That is really what is happening. uh, Even as you kept sharing through these three devotions, that I was searching my heart uh, to know for sure and uh, just pay attention to what God is doing in revealing if there's any iniquity in me and bring me to the way everlasting. And so that's the way I would answer my question. And if you'd like to answer Dr. John's question of if this is making sense by calling in, that would be awesome. Just go die, go ahead and <laughs> just go ahead and uh, tap the dial-in button, call-in button. I'll pick up. I'll pick up if I recognize your name. If I don't, that means that uh, you have a movie name. And I'm not so sure whose phone call I'm picking up. But please go ahead and just tap the calling button if you'd like to express uh, what you're picking from what Dr. John has been talking about since Monday. But if you don't want to call in, just give me a thumbs up if all this makes sense to you. If it doesn't, then you ask the question. You know, at this point, you have no option but to do one of the things I've mentioned. <laughs> well, it doesn't make sense. Andrew says this, David. Yeah. There are some times when you're praying and you eventually feel peace in the heart over the question you had to God. Could that be an answer from God? And I will say absolutely. And I think this is, this is one of the keys, Andrew, and you, you just hit on it, that, that shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace, um, is a is a is 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 a feeling in a way. It's not. It it it's a sense of not being striving. It's a sense of 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 having you know calmed uh, emotions, and I would say a calmed heart. And I definitely think that that thing where you're exactly what you're talking about. Sometimes that comes in prayer. Uh, sometimes that comes where. You just sense uh, deeply in in your being that that God is is pleased with you, or that God has uh, you know has commended you, and those are things I think that that we shouldn't shy away from. Uh, you know, sometimes people, you know, and I and I'm not into emotionalism. I don't think that people should be overly emotional, but I think that as we define the heart on Monday, it is the center of our bodies, it is the center of our spirits, and it is the center of our emotions. And so we should have some sense of peace that we're getting things right when we're uh, connecting. And I think, David, what you talked about this morning on your jog and, and just kind of having clarity, I think that kind of thing is, is, is a heart sensing that, yes, we're, we're, we're getting this. And I think God uh, is giving you clarity on that. Amen. Amen. Once again, Dr. John, thank you. And thank you so much uh, for spending time with us. I think we've come to the end of our show tonight. Uh, I cannot say, I can't stop saying thank you. Uh, we hope to have you again. I'm going to be sending out the schedule starting June 
and so the entire year is booked out um we might change the schedule a little bit for cabin devotions but i'm going to send out uh, uh, a questionnaire or a survey to you guys um to be able to give me feedback on what you think the schedule needs uh, to look like but there might be some changes uh, starting the month of uh, june maybe we'll have it twice a week and then we have uh, uh, what do they call them? Uh, replays from some of the devotions that you have missed. You know, did you know that we actually have a hundred live hours so far with cabin devils? And I think I've only published 15 or 16 of those. And so there's tons and tons of hours that uh, are right there in the cloud, properly recorded, that I believe people need to listen to. And we need to have days in which they can listen to those. But something may change, something may not change, depending on what you guys answer. If you still prefer three times a week, please let me know. And uh, we will make sure that continues to happen. But I also believe that there are some podcasts that you have missed and you would like to listen to or to download. But thank you so much, uh, Dr. John. How may we pray for you just before you go? Is there any way I can pray for you, Dr. John? Yes, I would say I'd say the biggest prayer for me is, as I mentioned already on this uh, on this um, uh, podcast, that uh, I've said to you, I, I I pray that your all of your and Grace's needs will be met this year, and I'm I'm telling everybody that I know that that's one of the things that I'm praying for, and so that's the thing that comes first to my mind when I'm thinking. So, David, I, I appreciate your ministry. Uh, it's been a delight to, to speak to your listeners, and, uh, and I will keep praying to that, and hopefully by the end of the year, we'll all see that this is one wonderful answer from the Lord. Amen. Amen. So your prayer request is actually our prayer request. You just yes. dodged the question. But, <laughs> but that, thank that you. Will, that but will thank make you. That will make me very happy. <laughs> yeah. But thank you so much. Let's pray together, guys, before we can... Uh, uh, rest uh, tonight. Father, we thank you uh, so much uh, for your goodness to us. Um, and indeed, your word is true. It's sharper than any double-edged sword pierces through bone and marrow, dividing every intent uh, of the heart. And thank you so much uh, for what you have done in our lives. Thank you so much for the life of John. We would like to pray for the work that he continues to do with the patience uh, that he meets. Lord, we pray that uh, every moment that he has with them will be a moment uh, for eternity, that he will have conversations with them that are helping them to uh, just assess uh, their relationship with you. And if there be any of them that do not know you as a savior, that uh, they will ask the questions, that uh, the Holy Spirit will work in their lives uh, to be able to trust you for salvation. We want to commit each one of us uh, present uh, for Lindsay, Grace, um, for Humuza, for Nobat, uh, for Quincy, uh, also, Ella, who joined us today, I'd like to commit um, Lucy into your hands. Pray for Andrew, pray for Charles, pray for uh, Mr. Bala, uh, pray for Jennifer as well. That whatever struggles may be going on right now in their lives, that may you meet them at their point of need, that they may cast their anxieties to you because you care. would like to commit uh, uh, Roy into your hands. Uh, Mimi Gal, thank you so much for joining, but we also commit you to God um, right now and your ministry. We want to keep praying that uh, you'll be of great impact uh, to the ladies uh, around you. Uh, we want to pray for grace uh, as well, uh, that you continue to help her grow uh, in every way. Uh, we thank you, and until we meet again next week, uh, Lord, go before us and guide our hearts. Guide our hearts, Lord, and lead us in a way everlasting. For this we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. amen. Thank you, Dr. John, and My hope pleasure. to see you soon. God bless you. Yes. All right, guys, have a good night, and we'll see you next week. I'll leave you with this song, Commitment by Sanctus Real. As you go to sleep, have a good night. See you next week. May God bless you. It's no mystery what the difference is between love that lasts and one that's caving in it takes more than a feeling if you want to survive in a world that blurs the lines between wrong and right trace true love for a compromise oh i want
Grace, that is a grace to be there. That's a special dedication to you. for tuning in hope to see you next week bye bye